You are now listening to the Fresh Out the Cocoon podcast with Dr. Joy Cox. This pod is unapologetically pro-fat and pro-black. Welcome to my space. I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of Fresh Out the Cocoon Podcast. I am Dr. Joy Cox, and today we are actually talking to Ms. Kanoi Lani Patterson from Oklahoma. Kanoi Lani is a fat positive and fat athlete. She is a power lifter and has also done Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit in the past. She is also anti-diet as well. It is a pleasure to have Kanoi Lani on the show today, and I look forward to sharing her story with you. So it is a pleasure to have Ms. Kanoi Lani Patterson with us today. She's going to talk to us a bit about her story. First, I would like to welcome you to the show. Uh, it's definitely a pleasure to have you here to speak to me today. And then you can go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Hi. Um, I'm Kanoi Lani Patterson. I'm 38. I'm a military brat. So I kind of, most of the time I grew up in um, Southwest Oklahoma and kind of like lived everywhere, but I mainly grew up here in Southwest Oklahoma where I'm living now. I have a master's in social work and I currently work for a nonprofit that um, as a service coordinator for um, people with disabilities, specifically people with intellectual disabilities. Awesome. And so you said that you were a military brat, so you moved around quite a bit. And I'm just wondering, I guess, in that context or kind of in that setting, do you remember, um, I guess, how bodies were viewed uh, among your family and maybe among the different places that you went? <clears throat> I'm I'm the baby of the family. So very, um, we lived overseas for some time, um, specifically Germany. Um, I remember that the most. And when I was really, really small, like I don't remember much of anything when I was that little, you know, I was running and jumping all over the place. And I was pretty, um, I would say happy, I guess, quote unquote, happy at that age. And then we moved back here, probably. I know I was in daycare probably like four years old I was like oh, about to get to the age where I'd go to kindergarten and then I started kindergarten at like five years old and things you know seemed to be okay but like I think what I remember the most is I remember like lots of diet talks specifically with like my like with my mom and aunts and things like that and grandmother like I noticed that that um you know thinking about it now um as somebody who's like 38 years old I realize like that was like a really big focus and how people just didn't seem very happy with themselves. Um, never thought of it as anything when I was that small, just that, you know, if you happen to be in a bigger body, that didn't seem to be a good thing. That was just what I got from, you know, what I was seeing, um, what was being mm -hmm. modeled for me. And then um, oh. again, you know, we people like in general, you move around and stuff. And my dad got out of the military, and then eventually we moved again. 
And that time period seems to be very um, much more probably traumatic for me because I, A, um, at that point, I didn't want to leave. Um, I liked where I was. <laughs> I think I was probably the, I feel like I was, that was a very combative period of my life um, when mm-hmm. I was that young, probably fourth grade or so, because I'm an introvert by nature. So um, making friends and things like that and getting people to understand me seems to be a hard thing at that time even actually now <laughs> it seems complicated okay. <laughs> <laughs> i can relate i can relate so yeah definitely i think the views of bodies at that time like i said lots of diet talk lots of viewing bigger bodies as not a good thing okay and so uh tell us a little bit i guess about what how that impacted you. So maybe your mindset about it, did you grow up um, always in a larger body or was that something that happened later? So I would say prior to that last move, I was kind of, I've always kind of been very, um, even, um, even as now, I'm very athletic. I've always been really athletic. Even when I was a child, I always was on sports teams and stuff like that, always doing sports, always really active. So, like, I didn't really notice, you know, my, I guess in my head, I didn't really notice anything in reference to my size until that last move. Again, I was the new kid. Um, I was a quiet kid. I didn't, I literally didn't speak to you unless you spoke to me. Then sometimes I may not have even talked that much. I'm very, I was very shy. And also, even now, words to me are really important. So I don't like just to talk to talk. I think that's part of the introvert part of me. Um, <laughs> so I like to like, you know, choose my words like very carefully. And so I think with kids that put me as being like, they thought I was, I used to hear it all the time. Like I was a snob and all this other stuff. And so I caught a lot of flack for that. And with me, unfortunately, that meant like, I wasn't very good with dealing with my feelings. Like when I was upset or, you know, feeling hurt and things like that. So I, mm-hmm. at the time, like a lot of us, we find comfort in food and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. At the time though, you know, I got told that it was was not a good thing. You know, finding those places to help you cope with traumatic things, you know, well, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to eat because you're fat or whatever. Um, of course, now I know that that's fine. But at the time, I didn't know that. So you see me slowly... Um, in pictures, if you look at, um, looking at pictures of me from then and as I grow up, like most of my adult life, teenage life has been in a larger body. So I've probably been in a larger body since probably, I would say, middle school on. Mm. If not, if not a little bit before that. So almost my whole life, I've been in a bigger, I've been bigger than everyone else. Interesting. And so, I'm just wondering, I guess, on some level, so most of your life you've been in a larger body, um, but Mm -hmm. you're being surrounded by messages like a lot of us are. And I'm just wondering, like, what was the thing that I guess kind of of put things together for you to get to this place of like acceptance? Oh, my goodness. I feel like it's taken me almost my whole life. Um, And I Mm. feel like it's sad. And I would not say um, I wasted my life. But I feel like much of my life has been fighting my body. I've fought myself for a very long time um, through 
you know, disordered eating, um, eating disorder behavior, things like that, excessive exercising, obsessing over what goes in my body, like diet and things like that. And I, I really put myself through it with that and definitely felt like I, it, it caused me to break down. Like, um, it definitely affected my mental health. And I think, I don't know, probably within the last, I would say, wow, I had, I would say, what, three, four, it's, it's recent. Within a certain amount of time, I just got, I think it's like I had like a breakdown, like mentally, where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like, you just get tired of it. Like, I cannot keep fighting because I have been doing it for so long. And I'm just like, I, I can't do this. Like, there's got to be another way. There, there has to be. There has to be another way. Like, I didn't even know intuitive eating and stuff like that existed. But I mm -hmm. knew there had to be another way because I knew that I couldn't, I could not survive another day being at war with myself. That's really powerful. I mean, I think, you know, just just reaching that breaking point and being able to say, like, you know, something has to give because I can't keep living this way. Um, and so you're at this point where you are done. Right. You're just like, I'm going to start changing, you know, the way that I think about myself. And I'm just wondering, like, what were some of the first steps that you took to, to making that change? It was definitely very, um, it was like a very slow process. Um, I like, I think initially for me, it like, especially because initially I was doing this whole weight loss journey thing where I had lost like over a hundred pounds. And then of course, you know, as the, as bodies do, you know, it wasn't sustainable, you know, restrictive dieting is not sustainable in any way. Dieting is not sustainable being in that like starvation level. So, of course, gained the weight back, and I think, like, when I decided that I had surgery, I think, I think um, what was a big thing for me is I had, I had back surgery in 2015 and um, had some issues with um, my L5S1, and they did a fusion. Well, when that happened, it stopped me from being able to do anything. I was in, especially after surgery, I was in so much pain that I needed help. Like, you know, my family flew down because at the time I lived in Virginia, my family flew down and they helped take care of me. And I had to depend on someone else. And when I realized that, like, like I literally had, like, in my head, I just broke down. I was like, oh, my God, I can't go to the gym. What am I going to do? I was, I, I lost it. Like I could not, like, I can't go to the gym. I mean, I couldn't move. <laughs> how, how was I going to go to the gym? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that alone, I think really shocked me back into place. You, you can't move right now. We have to slowly get back to, to doing anything. And I did. I fought like crazy just to get to where, you know, to rehab and to get where, you know, I could, feel good again and be active again. And then I find that I fall back into, it wasn't easy at all. I'm, I'm, I guess my way of explaining that it's not easy. You find yourself falling back into old behaviors because I did after, I was 2015. After that, I 
joined a gym that was heavily involved. Um, not even in the gym because I don't want to. I'm. I, it's not important. But they were heavily involved in diet culture and stuff like that, and I got yeah. sucked back in all over again, where I'm doing things that aren't good for me. I'm taking two and three classes back to back to back with barely eating anything and feeling like you're going to pass out, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's once I was able to do stuff like that again and you just kind of then realizing I can't do that anymore. And the surgery kind of helped to shock me back into, whoa, we can't do these things anymore. And so I just slowly started, slowly started to find myself with food again, you know, to enjoy eating food, not just, you know, I'm following this diet plan and I have to eat this stuff only, but like just, you know, wow, this really, really tastes good. This used to be food I couldn't eat before. I said I couldn't eat before. It was off limits. Oh my God. It is so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. amazing experience like you know just bombs going off in your head oh my god this is so delicious why did I stop myself from eating this before (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean and I think that's really important I mean what you kind of what you mentioned in in the process of telling your story um which I think is something that probably doesn't get said enough in fat accepting spaces is that you know it's never just like a one and done type thing Right. It's not, um, you know, like, bam, I accept myself and I never struggle ever again. I never find myself back in these, you know, in this mindset or in these places where I'm confronted with diet culture and I, I slip up or I give in or whatever. And so I think that being part of your story is just as important. It's like, you know, this is, you know, we're complex people with complex identities and it's important to know that, you know, we too, we work through those things, right? Like we have to confront our yes. own biases first, our own stigma, those things that we've internalized to get to a place to where we, you know, we actually feel good and comfortable with us. That's right. Um, and I, I, I honestly think it's exactly what you said. I don't think it's, it's not, I guess, for in our spaces that, that, that a lot of us are in. It's not in the prophetic spaces. It's not it isn't said that a lot that it is sometimes very much it's not one day everything perfect it's it's just sometimes it's a day-by-day thing because there are days that you know those of us who work in offices diet culture is heavy and it's horrible to deal with in an office Mm -hmm. and and because of capitalism you know we have we need money. We need to be able to support our families. So it's not like you can just go off on people left and right about how, you know, about how upset this makes you. You have to find a way to talk about these things in a meaningful way that still helps you retain your job. And I'm, right. and, and I tell people all the time that that is something that I struggle with all the time. And those are things that aren't talked about in our spaces. Not enough. Right. No, I can definitely attest to that because I work at I work at a medical school. So um, you can imagine the type of conversations that happen in office spaces. And you're right. You can't just turn to somebody and be like, shut up. Nobody cares about your diet. Nobody cares about what you do. Like, just be quiet. 
like you can't do that. And so you got to find another way. It's almost like you have to find a nice way to tell people you to stop harming you. It's horrible. You do. Definitely um, horrible. Yeah, it's rough. It's, ru- it's rough. So I just, I, w- I want people to know that that is okay. It is okay if you're still having that and if you're still having to deal with the same stuff from family because I'm still doing that. I'm still having to deal with families mess over diet culture and stuff like that. But I had to learn the hard way that I, it is not other people's healing is not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, the only healing that I'm responsible for is my own healing. My impact on other people is my responsibility, but how they heal any issues that they have, like diet culture and things like that, that's not for me to deal with. All I can deal with is me. Right. You're absolutely right. Okay. And so kind of moving forward, because this is how I found you. I um, I actually found you, uh, you know, on Instagram, like we all do. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about the work that you do now, right? In addition to what you do in social work and, and kind of looking at your journey and where you've come from, why don't you tell us a little bit about, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing that is all over your page on um, on Instagram and feel free to plug yourself because I really do want people to follow you. So on, in, on, in, on Instagram, I am go by the username at yamlo17. Um, it's a inside joke between me and my sister. And there you'll see some people would think that it's it could possibly be some type of FITSPO account until they start looking at the messaging and realizing that that's not what this is at all. I'm very happy to tell people that I am a fat athlete. I'm a fat power lifter. I also, prior to this, um, was doing Olympic weightlifting. My coach kind of wants me to, he would kind of like me to do both um, (laughs) because he wants to keep me athletic. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> so on my page, you see lots of, lots of heavy weightlifting. Um, I found so much love for not just myself, but just the strength community. So a lot of that, I'm really big on representation because when I've been to gyms, a lot of times there are not people that looked like me. And I have had so many people come up to me at my you know, small, at my small gym in Oklahoma and be like, oh my God, like, you're amazing. Seeing you here, like, you've just uplifted me so much. Thank you so much for your presence there. And that means everything to me. So it lets me know that I'm here for me, but they they need to see me too. Because so much um, for people in larger bodies, we're very much put in the corner a lot of times and hidden. And I want that to be over and dead with, especially in sports. Because sport is for everyone, including people in larger bodies. So, like, again, representation is big for me. Anti-racism and um, things about dismantling white supremacy, things like that, and things against marginalized people. Um, that's really, really, really big. And a lot of the work that I do on social media, it's for some people, it might, they might think it's very all over the place. It's not. It's very much all me, how I am. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's how I interact every day with people and 
it also it's it's for me too, you know, just like you were talking about educating myself on different things that maybe it's not an it, it's not an issue for me, but it is for someone else, and we need to talk about it and to just amplify that their issue so that other people can see. That's really really important to me is just amplifying these voices because I know what it's like. I still I still experience that all the time. People not really hearing me or hearing what I'm saying. And so, you know, so I want to make sure that if I can help someone else be heard, then, you know, I push them forward. I think that's awesome. I mean, I do want to kind of talk a little bit, though, because you did say that you had back surgery in 2015. And I am just wondering, because I did not know that, but I see your videos and you are like squatting it out hundreds of pounds. So, so tell me like, how did you work yourself to get to that space? Like to get in that, you know, to be able to do those things, like what type of, I don't even know if that's a regimen. I don't, I don't want to know the regimen, but I guess like mentally, emotionally, how did you get to that place to where you actually trusted your body to actually do what it is that it's doing now? The way you explained about it being, it's very much a mental process because when I started healing from that surgery, like, I mean, immediately, like basically the morning you wake up from having that surgery, they're trying to get you to walk. And (laughs) let me tell you, that is one of the most painful things to do after you've had somebody like digging around in your body like that. And they're trying to get you to walk because they don't want you to everything to stiffen up and stuff. I had like a brace and all that to protect everything, couldn't bend. Um, I found creative ways to do that because I'm really stubborn, like to pick things up with my feet and throw it at myself. Um, Yeah, I'm really, really hilarious in that way. I have a really hard time (laughs) accepting help. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So needless to say, say, I got yelled at a lot by my mom. Um, because of my extraness. So they yelled at me, they yelled at me a lot at the time. But I was very thankful. I had amazing people, physical therapists who worked with me. And I was at physical therapy for, I can't remember the total number of weeks I was in physical therapy. But I was there for a while. And then I did stuff at home, um, like they kind of sending you home with exercises to do. And I go home and do the exercises. And then they, at some point, they tell you, you know, okay, you know, you can start off with cardio. So for the, for a while, for a while, I was only doing cardio, like, because like, I couldn't do any, maybe anything weight bearing or whatever. So like, I would be on the bike and (laughs) on the, and it's like the stationary bike, not even like any fun bike. (laughs) It was like, and like, I mean, and I was bored to tears. Um, And I did that for a long time. And then once they checked me out again, my surgeon, and they kind of cleared me to be able to do weights again. And, you know, but of course, I was starting really slow at the time. Um, I think at the at the time, I was just doing stuff on my own at the gym. Like, I was researching stuff. I'm really big on researching and finding things and finding resources for myself. So that's what I did. I literally made my own workouts all the time with help of I also had the help of um, like one of my old trainers and friends, you know, try doing these things. This will help or whatever. Did things like that. 
So I started really slow and I started super slow for like a long time. And then like in 2018, I think that was, was it 2018 or was it 2017? In 2017, I decided that I wanted to start doing some other stuff, doing maybe some more functional fitness, some more lifting. I mean, I was kind of free to do anything at that point. So a couple of years, I was free to, you know, but obviously listen to my body. One thing I learned after having surgery was to listen to my body. If I can tell anybody anything, it's that. When people tell you no pain, no gain, they are full of crap. You listen to your body. Um, mm-hmm. If you are hurt, like if there is a complete difference between being in pain and being sore. <laughs> so if you are in actual pain, stop. So I very much, um, I've become very in tune with how my body feels and why it feels that way. And it took me a long time to get like that, but I'm like that now. And, and I do it unapologetically. You know, I take rest days when I want. But I think like that's, Probably around that time is where I, when I joined CrossFit, it's one of the CrossFits in Alexandria, Virginia, and I started there, and and I just started doing different little, you know, they started slow with me, and then they just like they were like they're like you know you should really try our Olympic weightlifting classes. You move really well and you're a really great athlete. You should try this. And I'm looking at them like they're crazy. Like what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. do that. No, really, you need to do this. Like, you're an amazing athlete. Like, give it a try. And I tried it. And I was like, Oh, my God, this is amazing. This is so much fun. <laughs> and because in my head, this and keep in mind, with weightlifting, with, I think with strength sports in general, it is very much a mental game. Um, because at the time, like I had convinced myself, because of so much year, so many years of fat being on the receiving end of fat phobic violence, you kind of tell yourself that there are things that you cannot do. And so I never thought that was something that a fat person could do. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way I can do this. What are you talking about? And they were like, girl, they're like, girl, bye. You can do this. Let's go. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and not, no, and shocker, they were correct. I could totally do it. And in some ways, I was more flexible and able to do things better than people who hadn't had the surgeries that I've had, you know, or who were maybe even smaller than me. Um, mm-hmm. So it it was very shocking for me, but it impacted the way um, my my mindset had impacted the way that I lifted for a long time. So <laughs> that's kind of like how my strength journey kind of started uh, from from surgery. You know, the surgery was kind of one of the best and worst things that happened to me as it was a really scary thing to happen, but best because it helped me to listen and learn about my body better. I mean, I think that that story is just, it's so awesome and so inspiring that even, you know, sometimes others can see the strength in us that we don't at first see in ourselves. And I love just the ideas or not the ideas, but I just love the way that, you know, you kind of talk about not just coming into a place to where you're physically doing things, but like coming into a place of also where there's this sense of like mental liberation that's happening simultaneously, that's also freeing you up. And so I guess my next question for you, which is kind of like, in some ways, what we've already spoke about, but maybe you can kind of give me like a synopsis, kind of bringing it together. How do you think how do you think the ways by which you accept your body today 
or have been accepting your body over the past few years kind of impacts how you show up in the world? I think like just the mere fact of being able to hold my head up. It is crazy. Like for the longest time, I swear when I walked, I walked with my head toward the ground. Like I just felt like the weight of the world, like I wasn't good enough in my head. So I just looked at the ground all the time, like never held my head up. Like I, and I had so many things to be proud of. But the world had told me too many times that those things weren't good enough. So just that. Like now, if you if people that um, interact with me all the time, they're like, oh, yeah, can, my, my head is high and it is proud. And that, so, so I walk with that confidence now that I didn't walk with before because I know that I'm worthy and I know that I have a purpose. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's awesome. And I think that, you know, particularly for younger generations, like coming up behind us to know that, you know, to have confidence and, and be able to speak to, um, to knowing that they're, you know, knowing their own worth and things. I, I, I often think about the people who come up after us, right? Because yeah. um, we didn't have this when we were growing up. Right. No. Like at least I didn't. I didn't have this type of representation. But to know that, you know, there are groups of individuals who are coming up after us who now have, you know, kind of like a roadmap in some ways, at least some illumination as they walk their paths of life to show that, you know, that they don't have to succumb to um, the pressures of diet culture or they don't have to believe what's being said about them because they don't look a certain way or they don't talk a certain way or they don't do certain things. I think that, you know, some of the the best advice that we can give people um, during this time is that they are in fact worthy. That's right. There are enough. Right. Absolutely. So maybe kind of moving in that same thread, are there any words of wisdom or encouragement that you would like to leave listeners with today? I think if I could leave people with any words of wisdom, it would be to live your truth and speak your truth. Um, I think very often this world will find ways to make you not just feel unworthy, but make you feel like your story doesn't matter. And I am here to tell them that their story does matter, that words matter, and that the impact of their story, maybe maybe it won't impact, who knows, maybe it won't impact anybody, but it'll impact them. And speaking it will impact them and will could be the springboard to their healing. So I think like if I could offer words of wisdom, it would be that. I mean, I think those are awesome words to be left with for sure. Um, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Please let listeners know where they can find you. Again, you can find me on, um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter under at Yamalo17. That's Y-A-M-A-L-O-1-7. And I have everything that might have some other things going on at some point. Um, so yeah, all that's there. If y'all have questions or whatever. It's all there for you to ask me. 
I definitely want to thank you for being on the show today. It was definitely enlightening to hear about your story and to hear about your journey and where you are now. And I definitely look forward to seeing how things progress in the future. I mean, I think your IG is awesome. And I am looking forward to you kind of expanding and doing other things and doing great things because I think your story is one that should be told and that people can really gain a lot from you just listening um, and watching you do what you do. And thank you. I just want to thank you, Joy, for just asking me to be on the show today. Like, I have been following along and listening to your podcast for a while. So I really appreciate the opportunity to let me share my story and to talk with y'all today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find this episode and all the others on freshoutthecocoon.com. That's F-R-E-S-H-O-U-T-T-H-E-C-O-C-O-O-N.com. You can also grab some merch from the store. And don't forget to follow me on social media at Fresh Out the Cocoon on Facebook and Fresh Out the Cocoon on IG. See you next time. Hey there, did you know that I wrote a book? That's right, Fat Girls and Black Bodies Creating Communities of Our Own is slated to be released September 29th of this year. This book is for us and it's by us. Join me on a journey as I combat fat phobia and racism to reclaim a space of belonging at the intersection of that which is fat, black, and female. You can pre-order your copy today at freshoutofthecocoon.com. That's freshoutofthecocoon.com. Are you tired of fitness apps that limit what goals you can achieve? What if there is an app that allowed you to reclaim your freedom and self-esteem with a simple click of a button? Introducing Jabby. Jabby is the body-affirming community wellness app, redefining fitness and providing emotional support to move your body in your own way. With features to set your own goals, create workout groups, and receive encouraging messages, ditching the other guys has never been so easy. Head over to jabbyapp.com today to learn more. That's J-A-B-B-I-E-A-P-P.com. With Jabby, you'll never work out alone.